Welcome to the weekly High with LSD podcast, the Leslie and Subhu dialogue covering the most happening technology news that affect India. Hi friends, uh, welcome on the show again, and uh, seasons greetings uh, at the outset. Uh, Subhu, seasons greetings to you too. Uh, yeah, and, uh, thank, thank you. And welcome uh, to our guest on the show, Sandeep Khanna, who's a columnist and. also author of the recently released azim premji uh, the man beyond the billions that's the book uh, title uh, i think it's a best seller right sandeep i hope so not yet <laughs> <laughs> so we wish you all the best for that uh, thanks a book. lot uh, great to be here <laughs> we're two old friends yeah yeah absolutely i'm, I'm glad that we already know yeah. each other we all have connected with each other and of course uh, for the audience uh, so uh, sandeep karna has just said that he's a columnist and uh, author but mind you he was also part of the leadership at mint and many other executive positions uh, in the media field so he's quite a veteran out there and he has tracked the uh, uh, it industry that can uh, take developments over many years so that's the one of the main uh, primary reasons for having him on this uh, show so what i had done just to set the ball rolling i have listed uh, uh, a few t- uh, tech trends that i feel uh, are important now what happens is generally when you're listing tech trends if you are in a personal technology space you will have some different kind of tech uh, the the trends are quite different we will be focusing more on enterprise technology since we are talking about uh, cxos so if you look at the top i mean not necessarily in an ascending order as such but if you see that the pandemic has given a push to work from home now the question that obviously we are all asking here whether this is here to stay or not and each of each one of us has an opinion on that a digital transformation uh, uh, covid 19 has given quite a push to it whether it's ai uh, internet of things 3d printing blockchain etc digital payments has got quite a fillip and cryptocurrency is like bitcoin you can see the surge in the prices i think it's 23000 or 24000 at this point yeah. in time uh if you see more trends governments have been punishing uh, big tech uh, we have been talking about ai and ethics or the bias in ai there are a lot of security breaches that we can talk about uh, there is this whole question or the spat the telcos have with big tech about uh, the relicensing of the 6 gigahertz frequency now that will aid uh, wifi and uh, we'll just try to figure out why earth, uh, uh, is this pat in the day in the first place and then of course the h1b visa tantrums as i like to talk them because these are typical election time rhetoric and last but not the least we'll just talk about a tech conspiracy of the year but that will keep it for the uh, for the ending part of it so let's start uh, with the uh, work from home sandeep your thoughts work from home here to stay so it's interesting uh, leslie i mean you know everybody been working from home we all work from home the whole of this year almost entire year and company after company has kind of been swearing by saying you know this is basically allowed us to keep functioning over the period of this pandemic uh, so so you know you would assume that at the end of a year like this this would be the transformational uh, bit of, from this year that we are going forward this is here to stay my problem however is a little sociological because when you talk to people at an individual level you realize that especially in a country like india you know where we 
we still don't have that many nuclear families, lots of people staying with families who have children, parents to support. And on the flip side, there are individuals, you know, young people staying all alone in, uh, in, in, in apartment. The comfort factor seems to have gone down as the year has gone along, you know. And, and that makes me believe that while in itself it seems like a trend that is here to stay, it's probably going to need some tweaking at, at, at the level of individuals, you know, how it's going to impact, you know. So if there is a, if there is a lady who's got kids at home, uh, you know, what is the company going to do? In the past, you could provide a crash in the office and say, you know, you can bring your kids across, there's no problem about it. But when they're at home, uh, how does the company then get involved and say, look, people try and help you, help you with that? So, so, you know, in a nutshell, probably here to stay, but with lots of tweaks, uh, you know, in the context, especially of a country like India. I agree with Sandeep. In fact, that's what I had mentioned in the, early, in the first uh, uh, episode that we did on work from yes. home. The only difference is that now what Sandeep is saying, earlier the companies could provide a crash in the office. Now, Corona is providing the office in the crash. You know, I mean, essentially, that's that's the, that's what like it is. the way of putting it. Right. Yeah. And we are in the danger of losing a lot of social capital. The interactions, I'm not generally talking about the water cooler. I'm, I'm, I'm going a little beyond that. Okay. And second casualty is also a lot of knowledge transfer. You know, there, are, there was a very, very formal and informal knowledge transfer, knowledge accretion that used to happen. Okay. That has really gone down. In fact, I was talking to somebody, uh, like Sandeep said, one, one young youngster. And uh, he's been working out of uh, PG in Bombay. And he said, for me, work from home, WFH is work from hell. He said, you know, I mean, there is, there is nothing, there is no support system. See, unfortunately, we are not, we are in a country where the support systems are sorely lacking. If you are in a nuclear family, you're great. But otherwise, if you're a joint family, where do you go and you know, methodically, systematically, with discipline, log in in the morning, interact, log out, and log in again. Those kind of systems are not there. You have, we have seen the amount of problems that you've had in sheer bandwidth. You know, I mean, every time, every time there's a Zoom call, can you hear me? Can you see me? Oh, I can't see you. I can't hear you. You know, we lose 50% of the time in, you know, just managing the bandwidth. So these are things, these are to me very practical issues that we have to deal with. Is work from home a reality? Look, it's always been there. I mean, in my company, for example, we used to have almost 50% of the people working from home, even earlier. Okay. It's probably going to increase. And that's a reality. And that's something that we can't, you know, uh, shy away from. But if we are going to accept that as a reality, we might also, uh, might as well also accept that these are the impediments. These are the things that we're going to lose out. You know, when we do work from home and if you don't do that, then very clearly and very quickly companies are going to, you know, kind of wait for the vaccine, give two jabs and say, okay, now Johnny, come back. Yeah. I mean, that's I think some companies have already been doing that. They're saying that, okay, fine, we are extending it for now, but you'll have to take a cut in salary because if you're going to some other kind of a remote kind of place, then your costs are lower. And these are not small companies. They are companies, I think, like Google and all uh, that and also. Yeah, yeah. Yep. the big tech companies that have yep. spoken about <clears throat> it. Uh, and I, I do not know at some point in time, probably if the if there are those people who do not return 
you know, who say that we are not comfortable with the work environment because, you know, uh, we are not sure about what's happening with the vaccines and whether the work environment is conducive uh, and safe enough for us to return. Probably uh, they, uh, it might affect their uh, uh, position in the hierarchy. Uh, and as you said, there's so many other so sociological problems. In fact, I had written a small piece on Facebook. I said, you know, that's acronym work from home, WFH, uh, is very close to uh, WTF. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, actually, you have a lot of millennials talking about it, you know, whether it's the WFH uh, or WTF. Uh, well, the readers are wise enough to understand and make the distinction. Uh, but yeah, Let so you're, just yeah, please. Small thing I'd like to add to that, you know, uh, in the mid 90s, actually early 90s to mid 90s, there was this whole trend towards what they called free agents, which was in a sense the beginnings of this work from home, which is that, look, I'm not tied into an office space or to an office timing. I will provide you my services. And so in a sense, this is a continuation of the trend. And like Subhu said, even before the pandemic struck, there was a fair amount of work that was happening at home. The problem was, I think, what you just mentioned, which is that at the end of the day, people who said, look, for various reasons, I need to work from home because of my own compulsions, in the corporate hierarchy, they were clearly then out of the race for the top leadership positions in companies. It was kind of, look, okay, we'll make adjustments for you, but listen, don't, yep. you know, don't assume that now you're going to be up for the CEO's job. I think that probably will change. And I know, for instance, um, uh, I see of a fairly large European company. I, I'm not sure about the name. I think it's Philips or whatever. For a very long time, he actually used to work from home uh, close to Amsterdam. Uh, you know, where he said, look, I, I'll come in when I need to for the meeting, but I'm going to stay in my home and I'm going to work from there. So obviously that's worked in bits and pieces. The other point, I, I mean, just uh, I just like you to ponder and maybe Subhu can also weigh in on that. I wonder what this means for those large corporate offices, you know, that, that uh, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the symbol of a company's success as you grew was this huge thing that you built, whether it was Google or yeah. Facebook or even in India, you know, the TCSL ecosystem of this world. I don't know what happens to those. Now, yeah. I shudder to think, I know they, they have spent billions of dollars. I mean, the, the Apple's new headquarters in Cupertino, for example, you know, it's, it's, it's a work of art. NVIDIA, yeah, did it. NVIDIA, NVIDIA, and if you, I mean, so the corporate campuses, I mean, that's, that's really, that's something that, you know, we have to really think about. I mean, I'm sure they'll think about it. Uh, the one thing that I, I just wanted to, you know, kind of highlight is that, see, for many, many years, you know, we've always had this one invisible asset that we have never used, you know, which was the educated women work sitting at home. And we've always said that, you know, they are great assets. We should be leveraging them. We should be utilizing them. Now, this is the time when you actually can use them, you know, because that's a huge talent. You know, the people, the, the, the women are extremely well educated for whatever reason, the family reasons, child reasons, you know, they have chosen to sit at home and, you know, manage their families. But that is an asset class, if I may call it, which can get very well leveraged if we put our mind to it. Yeah. However, if you're going to simply do it as a transfer of people from office to home, then it's not going to work. But if we are looking at creating new, you know, uh, workforce assets and saying, how can we improve our knowledge factor of the society? 
how can we improve our productivity how can we improve you know the way we do things i think that is something that i know companies are trying to figure that out uh you know like tatas for example has have started something okay uh but i think that is something that i would really love to see a very concerted effort from the corporate sector these are some of the tweaks that even sandeep was talking about that you yes you will have work from home but obviously you'll have to tweak you'll have to check what is possible yeah. what is not possible so i think to a, a couple of years from now probably we may have some kind of like how we had private cloud we had then public cloud and we have now the hybrid cloud so now we'll have some kind of a hybrid arrangement because i'm just trying to wonder like there are many uh, couples that we all would be knowing one works for say a google the other works for microsoft the other works for facebook in a hall now if they are eavesdropping on each other's conversations information can be quite sensitive yeah. especially for it companies absolutely and- that that can create a lot of you know unrest and especially if those couples don't get along well which <laughs> <laughs> so so we th- there are those kind of practical issues also that have to be handled but of course now let's uh, move to a kind of a related topic which is digital uh, transformation so if you look at the pandemic obviously uh, covid uh, i mean the covid 19 related pushes uh, clearly work from home was one of the trends the second is the entire thing of how uh, ai iot 3d printing blockchain etc got a philip uh, and you know sort of helped in this entire pandemic push but very interestingly just if i were to just single out ai from this uh, would you uh, both agree that uh, among all the kind of technologies ai is the kind of binding factor and the most prominent among this from a trend point of view uh, it, uh, sorry, please either one of it doesn't really matter No, Sandeep, you are the guest. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yes, I would agree. I would agree with a few few qualifiers. Uh, the qualifier is that look, we. I mean, let's let's not look at the pandemic as some kind of a finite, uh, you know, event which is doing something to the tech trends. Even if the pandemic had not been there, this would have happened. This would have continued. all right the pandemic is probably probably okay and i'm not even sure uh, there probably accelerated some of the trends that we have been uh, we are talking about artificial intelligence certainly okay uh, this is in fact i don't know i'm sure sandeep knows this is the second innings of artificial intelligence oh, sandeep yes. if you remember many years ago we had carnegie mellon uh, dr raj reddy you know who right he used to he was called the father of artificial intelligence and all that stuff right so in that sense this is the second innings for artificial intelligence and obviously there is a lot of practical applica- uh, you know applications also the sheer amount of data that is required for artificial intelligence to take you know play its role so to speak so from a from a pure uh, data expend perspective this is the time for artificial intelligence to actually start coming in okay it's got a long way to go it's, it's it's really in a very early stages of the game right now okay uh apart from that you know i i think that you're going to find ai playing a role in pretty much everything in your life that's a good thing the bad thing to me is that who's going to put a stop to it where are you going to draw the line 
I worry about that more than worry about the good things that artificial intelligence is going to do. You know, data is a new, new, uh, or should be the, the, the precious asset class, right? And artificial intelligence is going to con consume enormous amount of data, right? A, how secure is that? B, who is using it? To what end is it going to? Is it a sovereign? Is it a company? Is it a hacker sitting in, uh, you know, Ukraine? Until, until we have answers to those questions, I would tread very carefully, really. No, fair. I, I, I completely echo a lot of things that Subhu is saying. Uh, you know, so, so the way I look at this whole digital transformation, Leslie, is that, uh, like, like Subhu said, it was there in place long before the pandemic uh, hit. Uh, so let's, let's look at a, at a European bank, which, which I was reading about. You know, the wonderful bank, a little household bank, mostly catering to uh, domestic consumers. And, and overnight, they found that nobody was, was going to walk into the bank anymore, you know. And, and it took them three to four weeks to actually put in place an interface which allowed people to do all of the banking services, uh, you know, uh, sitting at home. Then there are the companies like Metro, for instance, or Daimler, these two big deals that have uh, come in place, which were obviously doing a little bit of it themselves, outsourcing a lot of their transformation uh, to, to companies, and suddenly said, look, we've got our hands full. I need to be selling cars, making cars that are relevant in this age and time. And for a retailer to say, look, I need to meet the challenge of, you know, people like Amazon and Flipkart <laughs> or Walmart. So let me do one thing. Here's wholesale my digital transformation, but somebody who understands this better, just take care of it. And if you look at the size of the deal and the sheer scale of what Infosys is going to be doing for Daimler, it is mind-blowing, you know, over a, I think, six to seven year period. Basically, they've picked up their entire IT infrastructure, including the people, handed it over to Infosys and said, look, I don't care how you do this, but these are my delivery points, you know. And within that, as you, as you, as you mentioned, AI obviously a fairly uh, critical part, but I think there are many more issues, including stuff that uh, we just talked about, which is that, okay, you're a bank, you're a company, you know, into retail, but what about the security factors that come into, into play when you're handing over something like this uh, outside? Uh, so, so, you know, the, I think the acceleration in the digital transformation of companies, which started long before the pandemic, probably I have a feeling now it's here to stay and it's going to, you know, that's how it's going to transform. Which is why the you know the numbers for companies which are in this business providing this service are is pretty mind blowing. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the Goldman Sachs report, which says this could be the third wave of uh, you know IT uh, this thing yep. bringing yep. companies in particular after Y2K. But you know the very interesting part about all this stuff is that people, uh, I mean, as uh, I think Subhu pointed out, uh, and we all were talking about it, and we uh, keep on talking about it on, on various fora, but we. Uh, simultaneously, we keep on forgetting the fact that AI is actually a 60-year-old technology. Machine learning itself, which depends on data, is about 40 years old. So it's not that it's something new, except that it has got a fillip because we have more powerful computers and we have more yeah. data. Of course, uh, Subhu, to your point about more data, it is that today we are also talking about using less data and more contextual data for AI. So that is also going on simultaneously. So perhaps um, uh, a few years from now, you will have that, uh, you know, a kind of balance between uh, what you use for data. For instance, a classic example is that of that GPT-3 that we were talking about. So the uh, GPT-3 basically is allows you to do, uh, use, uh, you know, to write human like a text 
So it's very difficult to uh, distinguish uh, from a AI written uh, novel or an AI written uh, text. Uh, I, I know uh, this wasn't directed at you, Sandeep, uh, because nobody can write <laughs> nobody can write a book like uh, on Asim Premji. The Maybe it would have been better if that had happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I don't think he has got that kind of uh, contextual thing, which is again the limitation of AI. But because it just discovers everything on the internet, indexes it, understands it, and probably writes a writes an entire book or an entire chapter even without understanding. So that's the whole thing. So, which is AI has not reached the level of uh, of being sentient or nowhere. It's, it's nothing like a human, basically. Sure. But it can do a lot of tasks that are linear, much better than human beings. But you know, interesting. The re reason why I brought up AI as a trend is on Monday, uh, uh, Prime Minister Modi will be inaugurating the driverless uh, train in India. Now. I think we all know that even driverless trains have been around for almost 40 years. And this is not an AI powered train for heaven's sake. Okay, so we're not even talking about, we're not, but it's an automated train. So as you yourself pointed out, there are many technologies that go together. One is automation, which we have been having on the shop floors for um, I think more than three, four decades. The yeah. SCADAs, the PLCs, the, uh, I mean, and all that the kind DAX, of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, we have been having all the technology on on factories and also automated. I think we were sp speaking about the lights out factory Schneider, or spoke about the lights out factory almost like two decades back. Uh, the transparent factories, smart factories, lights out factories, and today you're just about having it. It's another altogether another issue. What the unions will think about this entire thing of having a workerless kind of environment. Uh, because I remember no, the unions will be happy. See, the thing is that in, in India, the unions aren't happy. Unions aren't happy. No. So I think what we will do, see, we always come with what we call as a hybrid solution. Yes. Okay. Which is why we don't see those kind of cost advantages that, you know, others see. What we'll end up doing is we'll have a driverless train and we'll still pay the worker. <laughs> okay. So I don't think that's. I don't think that's see that my my actually I have a very fundamental problem. My problem is that this very term digital transformation, you know, it gives a picture of something which is dramatically transformed into something else. Okay, and you know, it's uh, it's it's my uh, one of my favorite uh, sayings is that it is like a white shirt. Everybody has one, and everybody believes that he, the other guy's next white shirt is whiter. Okay, like the old Nirma ad or that ad that used to come Now, I honestly don't, you know, I, I'm just taking the cue from what Leslie said that, you know, it, I will write a story which doesn't, it doesn't even understand. I think to a great extent, that phrase digital transformation is also being bandied about a lot. You know, whether I'm using, uh, you know, AI for pattern recognition, you know, face recognition, or I'm using AI or some kind of a code, some kind of a, some kind of a automation for just writing a piece of code. Everything is being called digital transformation. Now that bothers me a lot because we are at some point in time going to run the serious risk of the skeptics coming and saying that, hey, listen, this is not digital transformation, this business as usual. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you're using AI, you're using ML, you're using a lot of computing and that's fine. But we have to be careful about what we, you know, our rhetoric of what we mean when we say digital transformation. 
Daimler is transformation. Okay. Metro is not transformation. I think that's a difference that we have to somewhere make at least within the industry. It's basically using digital tools to solve a business problem. If it's not Absolutely. solving a business problem, Absolutely. I think it just falls flat on its face. I exactly. don't think there's any change in that. I mean, uh, uh, we have been talking in the media itself, the way we talk about digital. We have always been saying, no, a story has to be, you have to tell a story at the end of the day, regardless mm -hmm. of the format, whether it's we are doing a Zoom call or whether we are writing a, a book or whether we are doing a, a, a video interview or whatever we're doing. At the end of the day, it has to be a story. If you don't tell so would you say that we are digital? Working. So would you say, Leslie, that we have done a digital transformation of our panel discussion? <laughs> Cosmetic for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's how you know uh, inane many of these, uh, sure. you know, conversations. But can it does be. widen the base. It does allow us to do things that we probably would not have been able to do if we didn't have the tools. So it's absolutely, and yeah. and that's a continuum. See, and, and which is where, again, I go back to, you know, uh, you know, the time when Sandeep used to be, you know, he was my senior in the IT industry. And then, you know, I came in and then Leslie, you come in afterwards. So you can really see 80s, 90s, you know, noughties movement, you know. What? I, I feel young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. So I'm saying this is a continuum. This is something that has been there. Business said, OK, let's become efficient. We have no option. So we started using mainframes, then we went into client server, then we went into, you know, networking, then we went to internet, right? And now we are into internet is now a given. We are now going to cloud and hybrid and AI and ML. And I'm sure this will also pass. I mean, I'm sure we're going to go somewhere else, right? Yeah, so we need, we need new names to sell. Absolutely. New acronyms, new hyperboles. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have a slightly contrarian view on that, uh, mm -hmm. purely just to, uh, you know, play devil's advocate. <clears throat> I also think that there is a kind of a time for everything. And, you know, for a very long time, this business of what you said, digital transformation, was a bit of a buzzword. It was more of a push from a company saying, sir, why don't you start, you know, we'll do a digital transformation and look at what's going to happen. I have a feeling that at least this particular year, this whole pandemic, one of the things it's forcing companies to look at is, solutions which are a little outside their own domain of their business. I can't sell any more of my car or my product or whatever. What do I do now? So now they're saying, okay, is there a way of shaving off costs or making my operations a little more efficient? So in a sense, for every technology or every kind of movement, I think there is a suddenly a moment which comes when you have a pull factor. And you know, if you go back to, I mean, I was writing about the 1920s, uh, you know, which is the swinging 20s, as they were called at that point of time, just after the Spanish flu, you know, the world went crazy, especially in the US. Yeah. And people were celebrating the end of the First World War and, of course, the Spanish flu. And very strangely, in a particular decade, all of America got electrified. You know, the electrification thing, which had been there in place for almost about 25, 30 years before that. But in that one decade, every household, commercial establishment, storefronts, I mean, I know it's uh, it's it's not equal in uh, scale or in degree to the digital, this thing that we are talking about. But I'm just saying some kind of a trend which has been in play for a long time, it suddenly seems to you know catch on and people say, okay, maybe this is the way to go. This is the solution to go. And just like the vaccine, maybe a few years down the line, we'll find that like Subhu said, I mean, there's business as usual. What's the big deal about it? 
but i think that 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 trend itself now has come to a you know to a peak yes and if i think what you you have a very valid point and that's what gartner calls hype cycles so these hype cycles yep. they always see a bell curve kind of stuff that we always show well, so yeah clearly there are those hype cycles that come go but at the same time uh, i mean just again to play de- devil's advocate we had thin clients today we talk about cloud we had the, the asp then we have so there's a lot of similarity yeah. enhancements yes but you know there's always that feeling of deja vu and always that feeling that okay years old wine packaged in new bottles so absolutely uh, yeah so i think there's that good uh, selling points uh, clearly uh, being enhanced with a lot of data and computing power <laughs> and i and i, and I like i like my wine i like my wine uh, you know old it's it's it's, it's i'm i'm not yeah. really a favorite of the new wine yeah the single malts <laughs> single malts yeah matured <laughs> okay now for single malls i guess we'll have to pay in cash or digital payments so what's your preference digital payment digital payment absolutely yes so you don't you don't you don't i don't use cash anymore oh you don't use no. cash anymore no 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 but even even if i have to pay but india is still a very it's predominantly cash no yes and no it is a predominantly a cash economy in the sec bc and d but sec a is predominantly uh, digital payments even if you have to buy vegetables from a pushcart guy he has his uh, qr code you can just you know put the qr code and take it i mean my experience in bangalore is that i think in the last 6 uh, months i haven't used cash at all sandeep what about you yeah i i think uh, you know that is clearly something that's here to stay digital payments yeah. the point is i think uh, i was reading about it somewhere somebody made a very interesting observation the number of tra- digital transaction now far exceeds the number of cash transactions the volume of cash that is transacted is still high you know because at the end of the day real estate transactions other businesses trade a lot of cash is still uh, you know passing hands so but you know people like you and me or subu all of us you know we don't have too much cash to anyway you know throw around i think we transforming it we turn to digital payments i, I have not used security i have not used cash for the entire year i mean i mean obviously even before that also when i was in india but now all the more because you hardly one is because of the uh, the people are very uh, uncomfortable with the idea of you know handling cash so yeah because of the pandemic so that itself another but here anyway uh, it all depends on whether you can use them for micro transactions also so that's and or, i think or, or see the, the i think the marker for us really if you have to look at a milestone is the day when you can pay a bribe on digit, using digital payment that's when you've arrived that's when you know that you know your digital payment life cycle is really on a mature scale Absolutely. The transformation the, is the, complete. No, but the exactly. problem with that, the problem with that is that there's a trail, so you can be traced, Absolutely. and that is the power of a digital transaction. So I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm a person that cryptocurrencies will never come into that particular market. Exactly. <laughs> no. See, no. Leslie, you forget the fact that we are a jugad economy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, for us to create additional, you know, wallets and additional bank accounts. which are outside the ambit of you know uh, the income tax is not exactly you know out of the thought process so you are okay. telling me in, a, the, in, a, in filmy language i have to say don't underestimate the power of a common man <laughs> don't underestimate the power of the common fraud 
<laughs> so, so, so there is uh, clearly scope for a completely new digital currency, uh, uh, cryptocurrency, yeah, which is purely for this. You know, because it's new outside the ambit of the regulators. So it's actually great. Well, cryptocurrency is outside the ambit of the uh, the regulators. Then they try to get it, and now everybody is trying to because they know that they would lose out to these guys, which is what happened to the internet also. I mean, so I think whether something similar has happened to uh, the cryptocurrencies. Uh, and uh, satoshi is uh, has satoshi has really done a wonderful job out there is the person to by the way yeah, do you believe that does, this, does this guy exist satoshi we don't know really he's been that's, that's a ghost for ever since you know the i think what 2010 or so 2010 11 when the whole business of bitcoin started yeah, yeah somebody claimed to be satoshi but they didn't up. accept it yeah there were claims but i don't yeah, think it was accepted by the larger community no that's a very interesting do you own cryptocurrencies do you have a do you have you bought bitcoins no not me so who said that he likes them and you he expect would, me uh, to say yes i don't know <laughs> have you bought have you bought any no no not not i'm not going to you know admit to anything which could land me no, in no, trouble today tomorrow today it's legal today is legal it's legal today. yeah the problem is that today you know if, in india today it's legal tomorrow it could be illegal they could come yeah. with a retrospective tax saying that now all the cryptocurrencies you have bought till you know 2020 is all going to be taxed 50% i am not getting into that i mean we have we have this habit of coming out with you know retrospective uh, uh, you know taxation and uh, activities which could you know defeat the entire very purpose of why you are doing it so so this know. is a lo- lovely segue into our next trend which is big tech punishing i mean government's punishing big tech which we have spoken about uh, you know uh, at length over the last two episodes let's hear sandeep yeah sandeep you know what we are talking about there was 48 yeah, yeah. Uh, two lawsuits filed against facebook uh, then google uh, i think facebook uh, there were 48 uh, us states that filed a lawsuit against uh, uh, facebook then 38 states uh, filed uh, bipartisan uh, kind of uh, lawsuits against uh, google before that in october uh, Uh, there was a 499 page uh, 4 459 uh, 449 page report filed against facebook uh, google amazon and apple so it's like very clearly the government's high handedness against governments when they actually had approved all the deals absolutely a, i i think uh, let's say that is the most worrisome part you know which is that uh, i mean when somebody launches a company you start a business And, and you get your regulatory approvals in place, you know. And then five years later, somebody decides, "Hey, I never thought that you're going to be so big or so dominant." Exactly. And, and, exactly. And, and you know, and then you suddenly wake up and say, with retrospective effect, you know, how could you have done this? I mean, that, that WhatsApp deal, for instance, is absolutely ridiculous. You know, uh, you know, questioning that now that you they should separate it out. I mean, it's the part. It's it's core to your business. And what happens to the shareholders of these companies? You know. you got your regulate it's a bit like you know what's happening in india today i mean there is a lot of hue and cry about how reliance is becoming all powerful they are buying off companies here and there but the fact is we have something called the cci and cci approves a particular thing now you can say cci is you know they cci is a handmaiden of this company or corporation but then you got to fix cci you know there's no point in fixing the company in question so you know, my my balance is that yeah, please 
No, I I think what you said about these these kind of strictures has also created quite a few anomalies. I I just recently I think a couple of days back I forgot to uh, sort of uh, uh, you know store that article. But uh, basically uh, it it was saying that some of the strictures done by the European Union has actually resulted in Facebook or Facebook or Google one of them throwing up more porn. So, because some of those privacy laws that go, so the the algorithms yeah. could not work around those things. So, you have these kind of anomalies that are going to be thrown up. See, I have always maintained that uh, you know the companies are governed by a certain set of act by a law, and if they break the law, punish them, and punish them to the fullest extent, right? you know for example facebook was fined a billion dollars for the data leak that happened right cambridge analytica okay. yeah so so find them but every time somebody does well you come back and you say that you know i'm going to break it up uh, i raised the same question sandeep you know when you know, when we discussed the last time around i said you know should a class action lawsuit be filed by the facebook shareholders against the government of the united states because they are really devaluing the company it is enormous amount of work that these companies are going to have to do to deal with the government and convince them or not convince them if you remember it took ibm you know it took the justice department 13 years right. at the end of it they said we don't have a case now taxpayers are paying for justice department's you know uh, expenses shareholders are paying for ibm the erosion in value right now somebody has to you know bell the cat and say hey listen understand until you're going to do this activity in 90 days flat okay and be done with it you're going to have to pay a penalty for it because this is outrageous i mean you can't go and say you know i approved it but i didn't expect that you're going to go become so big so you know what i'm going to now maaf or in india we have you know we have our own way of doing it right we will approve a deal and then come up with a tax and say you know you did this and retrospectively we are going to you are going to have to pay us 2 billion dollars or you know 8 8 billion dollars supreme court of this country has said that we are not you know the government is not entitled to that money supreme court of india by the way okay and the government says no we won't accept it international arbitration has said government has lost two cases in in this month right okay. and they are going to now appeal against that my the problem Singapore, is Singapore. Yeah. yeah and if they appeal and they lose which is what looks like more, most likely okay then what happens are they going to come with another legislation how much time are you wasting why don't you simply accept the fact that you made a mistake and by the way this government had opposed this retrospective tax when it was in opposition and now when it's come into power 6 years it's taken them and they still don't have the you know the courage to follow through with what they said 7 years ago and scrap that act it is it is absolutely ridiculous yeah, so okay. basically what we're saying that we may not agree with a lot of things that facebook google amazon apple and all these things do especially on the uh, as, uh, especially when we talk about privacy Uh, and yes. security breaches and the invasion of uh, privacy especially because they have so much hate on them but at the same time they cannot be punished in this particular manner there has to be a particular systematic thing which everybody can follow so that the rules are clear and so that it helps businesses also to understand what's happening but i think we confuse 
both these things saying that okay fine just because they have uh, because of the security breaches or because of the privacy kind of intrusions that they have uh, these companies ought not to you know we can penalize them in any way no that's not done i think that there is a saying here. in law there is a saying in law i mean i remember when i was in college i used to i had read about it it is fools can't be protected by knaves you know it really what the what the governments world round are saying that these companies are very smart they have far superior technology i don't have the capability or the inclination okay to deal with that and to you know collar them and punish them and you know so what should i do i will break them up yeah. now that is an extremely uh, you know uh, for want of a better word it's a very it's, it, it reminds me of uh, an authoritarian state it doesn't remind me of a country which is you know which is uh, supposed to be the biggest democracy or the us is the second biggest democracy i mean we are we are actually devaluing a lot of stuff that the companies have built if they have made a mistake penalize them go after them and all the way having said that i really like the way europe used to do last week you know they also said break up but before that europe used to get after the company systematically penalize them find, again and again and again yeah yeah just you know? levy fines and get out yeah right but now they have also going they go going the break up way yes and no, i think i think that's absolutely the point you know where you're confusing size and scale with a specific problem it could be privacy breach it could for instance in the case of apple what's been said is that the minimum wage paid in a lot of the factories in china is well below the uh, you know the uh, living wage in that country now you are not able to go after them with those specific thing because it requires a degree of understanding and you know methodical uh, pursuit so what you do is you go after the big thing saying that look i'll take a hammer to kill an ant you know that's really exactly exactly and it's typical it's 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 across the board you know i did a series of pieces uh, sometime back on uh, competition law in india and it, that's what emerges you know because companies have a way of coming back to you know manage their manage the issue you want somebody to break up you want something i mean we we saw that in the case of at&t i mean at the end of the day that ended up emasculating a lot of companies but not at&t in, in in particular if you really look at it they went after ibm they failed they went after microsoft they failed absolutely absolutely right so i, I mean they keep telling us and you know when we when we are, we are told that you know you must learn from your mistakes how does a government learn why does the government not learn from its own mistakes i'll give you an example or an analogy from a game i think we are all fond of cricket yesterday ian chappell said something quite interesting on commentary he said look if a player underperforms over 3 4 games so you have the option of throwing him out in most cases he is thrown out like what happened with prithvi shaw he says umpires can keep making mistakes in game after game you never heard of an umpire being thrown out you know it's like okay they make mistake that's all right next game you know the back i th- i think that's really what's happening you know regulators across the world there is no introspection that let's look inward where have we gone wrong why is it that this company was able to do this for instance there's this business of amazon having squashed competitors yeah. or you know uh, facebook having done that so what were you doing at that point of time how did you clear the deal you know are you going back in time and looking at it and saying next time when a company applies for uh, you know some, like nvidia came up uh, you know this whole acquisition of arm uh, the uk based company to me that's like i i, I don't know if you if you're familiar with that territory so but i mean it's it's fraught with all kinds of dangers 
Here is a small startup based in the UK, you know, which is responsible for microprocessors and virtually all of our smartphones. And now it's being bought by an American corporation. Now, if you clear this deal, what's going to happen tomorrow is that because it's sensitive technology, the UK will actually have to seek special permission for a technology that they've sold to the US. <laughs> you know, that's why this whole thing becomes, you know, very confusing uh, in terms of regulators because the regulators are not speaking in the same voice. Exactly. Either the US regulator and the UK regulator. The governments don't seem to want to learn from their past mistakes, you know, and they don't want to, you know, admit that they can go wrong. Simply because there is, when they go wrong, okay, there is nothing that punishes them or they don't have to pay any price for it. Whereas the companies have to pay a price. Yeah. You know? And that kind of, you know, impunity is just not acceptable. And, and you know, Subhut, I mean, I'd even drill down to say, when we say government, it almost seems like this large, ambiguous kind of an entity. But there are regulators yep. in play here. You know, when they, they, they get a salary. They're, they're supposed to do their jobs. You know, so when the first time around you clear a particular transaction of a company buying another company, you're supposed to have given it enough thought not to have to revisit after three years and say, oh, hello, we got it wrong. You know, you've grown so big inside. Couldn't you anticipate that's what's going to happen? That's what you're being paid to do. And, you know, so I think the, a lot of the responsibility for the mess in the corporate sector with respect to mergers and acquisitions it, should, it lies with the with the regulators of various countries, and I think that was also because, as I mentioned a, a few minutes earlier, regulators don't talk to each other. The yeah, UK yeah. regulator has a completely different way of looking at uh, you know these transactions. In the US, it's completely different. And as we, we were talking about a company that you brought up at the beginning of the show, the, you know the Nvidia takeover of uh, ARM in the in the UK. Now you know the, whatever little I have read about it. It seems to me to be a very, very troublesome kind of an acquisition that if it if it eventually goes through. Because, like I was saying, there's a small company in the UK which is a which, you know which is responsible for the semiconductors in all our smartphones. You know, and now it, it's being acquired by this US company, and this is sensitive technology in a sense. So, what's likely to happen five years later is that the UK will have to seek special permission from the US federal agencies. Saying that you know we want to uh, export this, I mean import this technology from you. You know, so it's creating ridiculous kind of situation. The time to say no, we can't let this deal go through is now. You clear it today, and then five years later, because obviously the Nvidia will become the Intel of the of the future. Then you say, oh, this is too large. You know, this is a dominant player. They look at how they've killed smaller companies like Arm. Uh, so it's this looking back in time purely because you are playing catch up. You don't have. Yeah the knowledge or the understanding so you better get in the, that understanding into, into no, but that's true actually because regulators have historically have never been able to keep pace with uh, technological developments i think that's a given and even i think over the last uh, two three episodes we have been discussing that the mere fact that ftc itself has not been it's not a poster boy of morality in any way so right. it, it, we had a, a lovely instance of it uh, talking about net neutrality for instance so we, we had that whole issue out there, which uh, created a lot of heartburn in the entire user community. So FTC really has no moral ground to talk to other companies, especially a big tech, and tell them, you know, this is the way you ought to do. So it's clearly you have to have systems in place that are transparent on both the sides. Of course, um, 
this topic is so vast that we can keep on talking about it but let's move to the next one uh, which is you know uh, the the related stuff uh, subo you had written a piece on uh, uh, six gigahertz uh, basically spectrum, the yeah. whole de-licensing of that spectrum the interesting part is yes uh, both uh, the parties that we are talking about the telcos and uh, the big tech are fighting with each other and uh, opposing views uh, and this can clearly has bearing on Wi-Fi uh, 6 and uh, 5G. Uh, since you have written the article, why don't you just get give us a quick heads up? See, I think the, the core of the entire spat is that uh, how important is do we look at Wi-Fi from a national perspective? And that is the our question that we need to answer. Because today, you know, we said, you know, a few years ago that we're going to set up 5 million uh, Wi-Fi hotspots in India. I think today we have about 60,000, yeah. right? The, the, the minister has said the next year he's going to set up 2 million. Okay. Now, whether it is public services, whether it is, whether it is, you know, education, whether it's healthcare, you know, all of that is going to require a fair amount of Wi-Fi penetration which essentially means that it has to be in the realm which is delicensed. Now, the problem here is that the telcos, they do not want the delicensing because they believe that it is critical to a 5G rollout. No question it is. No question. It is very critical to the 5G rollout. Okay. The question that we have to ask ourselves is which is more important? Secondly, do we have to follow an exclusionary process or can we have a situation where you have a part of it which is delicensed and a part of it which is licensed to the telcos okay what the telcos are also not saying you know at least in india is that there is a lot of load offloading that they have to do to the wi-fi you know when the traffic builds up okay and that can only happen if the wi-fi bandwidth is available in the first place at those speeds okay now the spat is all about saying that no no don't don't delicense it at all because then you you'll you'll have a, a playing field which is not level. Okay, and to me that is a bit of a you know it's not really an argument. It's it's very very tenuous argument. If you are running a telco, you are taking bandwidth. You are supposed to jolly will pay for the spectrum. Public services will not pay for the spectrum. It's as simple as that. And I don't even know why this controversy is there. Because in the US in April, they clearly delicensed uh, yes, you know, yes. uh, six gigahertz. Yeah, yeah. That was more because of uh, Wi Fi 6E and uh, exactly. Uh, basically, uh, exactly. 5G has got it. It's 5G U, basically, the unlicensed uh, part. So, if you, on one hand, you're saying, you know, e education, you know, you want uh, learning to, you know, e learning to go all across the country, nooks and corners of the country, you want telemedicine to proliferate. And then, uh, there is a section which is saying that no, no, we are already in deep trouble. So uh, let's not delicense uh, six gigahertz. It doesn't work. Sandeep, <laughs> you, you always have held very strong views on the telecom sector. <laughs> so let, let's hear your views on this. No, I, I, I honestly, uh, Leslie, this is, I mean, I don't think I have much to say beyond what Subhu already explained about this issue. And I, fair enough. The, the, the only little bit that I can add is that at this point of time, if you're a telco in this country, Barring one, uh, you know, <laughs> and we all we all know which one. <laughs> so, you know, 
I mean, I think yeah. let's cut them some slack because there is really what are you, what are you going to be doing? You know, in the future, it's it's things are. I mean, I know you know they've increased tariffs a little bit, so the average revenues have gone up uh, slightly. But the game is anyway shifting away from telcos to you know telco plus. If you are ten years from now, if Airtel is uh, is still a telco, then any case, I mean, uh, they'll probably be a very big player in the whole uh, you know complex this thing. So I think the move is towards that. I think it would be in the interest of these telcos to, like uh, Leslie is saying, to go along. I mean, sorry, uh, Subhu is saying, to understand that that is the move. There is no way you you can resist that. It is clearly a public service. I mean, you you can't be uh, you know fighting that. Uh, but I'm just saying that there are certain commercial realities uh, at this point of time. Very whether or not only many of them can even bid for the spectrum auction that are coming up. I think that itself is is questionable. Obviously, no bank is going to be bankrolling. A couple of these telcos, uh, you know, over the next year or so. Uh, so I think that's really where it's stuck. I don't think it's an ideological issue for uh, for for the telcos. That, I think there's nothing called a pure telco as of today. I mean, telcos are also into banking. Telcos are also into entertainment. Telcos are into, and banks have also got into you know kind of telcos worldwide. So it's a, it's like a cross pollination uh, on many fronts uh, that has taken place, but. Of course, this uh, will be. Uh, this well, is uh, uh, Sandeep. My, my 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 essential point is, you can't you know solve one problem by giving a different solution. It is. I am not dist- uh, You know, uh, I am not even uh, arguing that telcos have problems. Okay, and their problems are again, uh, to a great extent, inflicted upon them by the regulator. Okay, so I'm I'm not even arguing there. They tel- the telecom segment has seen the largest flight of foreign investors in the last ten uh, years oh. anywhere in the world. 34, 34 companies have exited India. Okay, so that's that's not a joke. Okay, so I understand their plight, but I think what they need to do is probably make their advocacy a lot stronger. Or maybe if they can't do that. Then change their name to start with R. I mean, there's nothing else I can do. <laughs> you know? Anyway. Uh, Sadeep, uh, uh, just uh, uh, getting back to the digital transformation part of it, uh, you have uh, also looked at the Indian IT industry as a corporate editor of Mint. I remember those kind of uh, exchanges that we used to have on uh, how the Indian uh, IT industry. Subu has seen, uh, so, so all of us put together, I think we know a lot about this uh, area. So what are your thoughts on, uh, if, if I were to ask you a pointed question, do you feel that Indian IT industry is actually be- has really become digital in the real sense of the word? Or is it that they are just still grappling their way, uh, you know, just trying to wade their way through this uh, entire digital thing and, you know, putting bits and pieces together and trying to become an Accenture, trying to become uh, an IBM? No, I, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's really kicking and squealing rather than, you know, a smooth segue into the whole digital uh, business. I don't think that's happening. And, you know, don't, let's not forget that the, of the big players, most of them are fairly large legacy businesses. They are not going to give up in a hurry. In fact, one of them, uh, you know, uh, Delhi-based company. I think their entire business is legacy business. You know, so they're not going to give it up uh, easily. I mean, it would make sense also, even if the margins on that are shrinking. 
But the fact is, you know, for their very existence in the future, they are scrambling, putting together things, and and you know, it is coinciding with the requirement of their clients on an urgent basis, saying, look, I need this, so just 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 do this together for me, you know. And so you know, they're kind of learning on the job, and I think also what's happening is that. Uh, for the Indian IT companies, this seems to have come at a at a good time, in the sense that you know among the larger international players, Cognizant, for instance, seems to be going through all kinds of other problems, and they're not really being able to take advantage of this particular wave of uh, of business that they're getting. Accenture is clearly, I mean, they're far and uh, yeah, above everybody else. IBM again, I mean, transition and some company in turn. So it's kind of leaving that whole space for many of the Indian large players uh, to pull. This is a longer a play where you know all boats will rise purely because you know there is this business that is there and everybody can play in this um, in this arena. So if you are you know, if you are today a hundred billion dollar company, I don't know if there is much scope for uh, you know getting this digital transformation. No, if you're a hundred million dollar company, you should probably look to get acquired by a billion dollar company. I mean, that's that's probably the only end game that you have. So our old friend uh, Ashok Suta may not agree, but uh, <laughs> Ashok Suta, of course, will not agree. I mean, having all said and done, the man has done two IPOs in his lifetime, and that's that's Amazing. awesome. Amazing. Right? I mean, Seventy-six so, years old. Yeah, quiet. absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, apart from exceptions, the outliers, but I think, I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there is a white space and this very opportune time for the IT industry, Indian IT industry to take advantage of the current situation, which is what they're doing. Now, do they have a great strategy to go and do digital? Maybe, maybe not. But you know, if they had a real great strategy and they had, you know, thousands of consultants who could do it, then they would be called Accenture. Right. So they are competing and they're competing rather well, I would say. I mean, these last the, the deals of last week have been, have been really stupendous in that sense. When you're talking about uh, uh, competing, they actually it's competition or they're frenemies, basically, if I were to put it. Yeah, 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 you find a lot of these companies are like uh, what earlier we used to call enemies. Now they're sleeping with the enemy, sure. they're frenemies in that sense. Yep. Uh, yep. Infosys works with a Microsoft, uses their platform for cloud. And so there's yeah. a lot of synergy between these companies. So in that sense, I mean, just talking about pure play digital, maybe not. But when you are talking about digital transformation, whether they can enable it for the clients, uh, then clearly they're doing their job because I think they still have to do the ADM part of it, which is that application development yeah. maintenance. Yeah, yeah. And that ADM really and that still accounts for about thirty-five to forty percent of their. Yeah, revenue. and then like uh, Sandeep said, you know, the the, the, the legacy business for them uh, it, it's fairly large. I mean, I remember when I used to work in a software company at that time, the legacy business was almost eighty-five percent of, of our business, and we used to call ourselves, you know, uh, a digital company. But uh, legacy transformation is very, very large legacy business and the sheer maintenance, just the maintenance of the legacy uh, systems. That's a huge business. So what's the sense you're getting on the H1B, Sandeep? All this whole, it's typically the election time with rhetoric. This time, I think because of the Trump administration, I think things got escalated far beyond and he almost uh, uh, managed to get his way through. But I think it was annulled by the Supreme Court. 
I, you know, I think Leslie, even though we are expecting that now that the election is hopefully settled once and for all and you have Biden coming in, I think Indian companies would be smart in factoring this into their plans over the next 10 to 20 years. You know, that this regime of, you know, this fairly liberal it is going to end, you know, whether it ends the way Trump was planning to end it through a fiat or, you know, through a more gradual process, given the rising levels of unemployment in the US, in Europe, it just cannot go on. You know, it, it's been there in play for the last 20 years. We've taken advantage of it. It's worked to our benefit. And I think this business that we talked about, digital transformation, in many ways, the workflows will also change. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be putting in that many people on site. And, you know, probably a lot more work will be coming offshore. But I think the two things will go hand in hand. And, uh, and you know, but it's a factor. It's going to stay this way. It won't be as this thing as it was, say, a couple of months ago till the elections came along. But, you know, we can't wish it. Away. And I'm sure that most companies, yeah. smarter companies, have already started, you know, planning for that. No, that's a very valid point because I think uh, a basic point which I think even Subhu had pointed it out about in the last uh, previous episodes basically that you need to factor in all these kind of points and, and I mean to be fair uh, Indian IT companies have opened up offshore centers that has increased their cost it has reduced their margins but yes I think that's the way they will have to create more opportunities more business opportunities more employment in uh, 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 countries like the US and Europe, where I think in Europe, uh, US accounts for almost 60% of the business of uh, the revenue of most IT companies, Europe accounts for 35 to 40% almost, certain cases more. So they will clearly have to create more employment in these uh, cases. It will reduce uh, their margins. But yes, I think that's the name of the game, as they say. Uh, Interestingly, you know, Leslie, what you said just now, 60, 35, Okay, uh, way back in 2002, the mix was exactly the same. It was 60 35. Yes, yes 60 yes. US, 35 Europe. So the more things say, the more things they remain the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. It's strange that they've never been able to look at the India market yeah. because it doesn't make sense from a margin's point of view, Margin. with the exception the of dollar. getting significant now. There is a fairly large uh, chunk of business in India. The problem is the margins are just margins. No, also see the, the other thing as a service provider in India, I, you know, the problem is also in India, our attitude. So here, there is again, nothing finite about a service contract. You know, you serve a service contract, you, you play it out, you do the delivery. And then you, you know, ask for payment, it doesn't work like that. It is always, you know, can you do this also? Can you do that also? Can you know the change request cannot be paid for? But this was a part. I, I thought it was a part of the scope, but it is only a small thing. No, these ambiguities of business, you know, and which are which are not ambiguities which are uh, you know uh, created by somebody else. It was created by ourselves, by the by the vendor, yeah. you know, by my customer. These are so high that it just doesn't make sense. Your fifty percent margin could quickly come down to twenty percent margin in two months time because you're still doing the project. So yeah. to me, it is, it is, I mean, uh, I, I may not sound very popular, but the fact is it is our attitude towards service business. We believe that once we give somebody, somebody is doing a service for us, then we can ask for anything. The purchase or the work order be damned. 
this is typically what has impacted the Make in India, the Atmanilbar campaign. I mean, these typically end, uh, end up as campaigns. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, in the real sense of the world, a lot more can be done. I mean, the kind of stuff that we have done with smart cities, for instance. Yes, smart, uh, you know, it, it's slow and steady that is going on. But, you know, sometimes I think it's too much of hype around these things that kills the actual work that needs to be done. And then it, you know, the media is accused of being skeptical about these things because the hype does not match uh, the real kind of outcomes. Uh, maybe we, they so need to go a little slow on the hype. Leslie, my, my problem, at least in this particular case, is not so much the government. It is a corporate sector. You know, for example, I'm because here the problem is the corporate sector. Okay, does not believe in the written word. 30 days payment could be 35 days, 40 days, 60 days. Sometimes you are, as a, you know, you ask a person to provide provide services without a work order, saying that oh my systems are you know getting done, so I'll send you the work order, but start the work. Work order doesn't come for four months, and you're able to do that because he's a small vendor. No, you can't do these things in the all said and done in the U.S. and Europe. You'd be possible. Is this? Do you really agree with Subhu? Because he, at this point in time, Subhu is speaking as an entrepreneur also, so he wears two hats. <laughs> No, but you know, Leslie, all of us who are not getting a salary check at the end of the month know the truth about what Leslie, I mean, uh, Subhu is saying. So I, says. I, I think it's an attitude, and I think that that word is so brilliantly put. It's an attitude towards both, you know, the flexibility of the service contract, towards payment terms, towards you know, time frames. Sure. It's it's like you know, I mean, if you are working for me, not working with me, but working for me, your time is mine. You know, you, you exactly. And you know the farcical part is the companies which are which are essentially flag bearers of corporate governance. You know, for example, I know about this company which said that they are going to reduce expenses by thirty percent after the COVID pandemic happened, and everybody was impressed. All newspapers carried it and saying that you know this is what they're going to do. They're going to tighten their belts. What did they do? All that they did was move the needle of receiver payables. To their SMEs from 30 days to 70 days. Wow. That's it. Wow. A 40-day increase in payables wow. okay, meant that they're actually saving about 20% of the cost. They didn't do have to do anything. So that is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And that is what is that is why if you are an IT company who is doing business in the US or Europe, to do business in India, I would think many times, not just twice. Because there is no, there is no system, there is no recourse to law. If I file a case, I mean, there is a situation where I know that somebody was blacklisted by a large multinational IT company's agency, okay, because that company asked for their payment two years after it was due, and this is a reality. Okay, this could be anecdotal, but this is a reality. So I think given all of the stuff to expect the Infosys and the TCS of the world to look at Indian market, it is, it is, you know, it is not going to happen. In the, I, I wish it doesn't happen because the stock prices would really fall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess this, these are the problems that we are all aware of. 
uh, we seldom speak about them and even if we speak about them i mean from a media perspective at least we are always considered to be the kind of skeptical uh, guys who are always criticizing the governments but well if the facts change and they give us enough reason not to be skeptical and not to be critical i think we'll all wait for that day uh, let's come to the final kind of trend that we are talking about in the interest of time now this is like the tech conspiracy theory of the year that i would like <laughs> to call it <laughs> I mean, all right i honestly am flummoxed most of the time this came out came around the time of 3g it came around the time of 4g uh, each and every time i remember even in telecom circles uh, and some of the tel- uh, some of the, i mean even in the media circles many of us were discussing we were talking about whether you know uh, radiation from towers can cause cancer and now you have this whole thing uh, you know i i just listed four four of these theories that coronavirus is caused by radiation poisoning from 5g technology governments are using lockdowns to build 5g infrastructure 5G was designed by governments to depopulate the world and <laughs> saying that this is part of a broader conspiracy theory and they have even given it a name called agenda wow. 21 yeah wherein the UN is trying to establish a new world order yeah, how come you don't have that you don't have one more theory saying that uh, coronavirus is actually come from another uh, planet which also has human like population which is trying to conquer the earth i'm, I'm sure uh, we can come up with our own theories which looks like chinese American. Huh? Eric Van Duncan in the yeah exactly right all those about Wonderful. aliens landing and you know, so. exactly. but have have you all come up with some similar kind of uh, theories yeah, yeah every day in WhatsApp yeah every day in WhatsApp something or the other keeps coming you know so I I yeah but I just you know like the, to believe the simple things in life you know the coronavirus yeah, you know the reason... China <laughs> and that is all there is to it. <laughs> Well, that's a controversial theory, <laughs> but you know the, the 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 interesting part of it. This has actually had appeared in a paper. Okay, it was by some researchers, and they had to retract the paper. It was published in some journal out there. It had to be retracted. So it's not that it, it it's come out of thin air or something. So some uh, the, the the editor of the journal ought to be sacked. I mean, that's all that I can say about it. I mean, really. I mean, I'm, I'm If you're going to retract something as serious as this. but that, that's i mean every conspiracy theory at the end of it has a core of some fact somewhere you know for instance yeah, this whole yeah. business of these telecom towers and especially now with 5g requiring many of the many more of the mini towers they call it i mean this business of it spreading radiation causing cancer i think it's going to grow i mean today it's covid tomorrow it will be some other disease something okay. else but it has to cause problems for someone you know enough to be able to uh, you know I think that's the whole issue of this conspiracy thing. I think also Leslie my sense is I'm sorry there's going to be dumb disturbance behind me. This is the municipal van that comes every day to tell people to chuck their you know the rubbish. Oh okay. So well, you can cut out this segment I think it'll be best eventually Neeraj can do that later on. Yeah. yeah but no I was saying that you know I think uh, a lot of these conspiracy theories are obviously going to come up because we still don't have enough of an understanding of where uh the coronavirus actually emerged how did it come about i mean we've heard about the theories uh, but you know they still remain unproven there hasn't been a serious enough effort to track it down so okay this is where it started and until we do that i think this will continue yeah sadhi but you know uh, talking about a 5g tower 
and connecting it, connecting a virus with a 5G tower, the spread of transmission of a virus, you know, that itself is pretty ridiculous because then that shows a lack of understanding of how, or you know, scientific understanding of how a virus uh, uh, spreads. And basically a virus creates, it's a host in a body and it spreads from there. You know, to say that it's going to use a radio frequency to transmit itself and uh, replicate itself, I mean, it defies logic. It uh, defies everything that you learned in science, unless, of course, like an anti-vaxxer, you say that I don't believe in science. I don't. I, that is why, you have a, Leslie, that is why it's called conspiracy theories. It doesn't follow logic. <laughs> oh, and, and, and believe me, the, those who believe in the theory don't believe it's a conspiracy. So it's Absolutely. very clear about So they believe yeah. we, are the, we are the guys spreading the cons uh, conspiracy. But well, uh, these are some of the trends that we have seen over the year. Uh, friends, uh, Please uh, tell us whether you agree with some of the, whether you agree with these trends, whether you want to add uh, to these trends, whether you want to subtract from these trends, whether you have a contrarian point of view. And yes, if you have a contrarian point of view, we'd love you to be also part of the show and uh, share these insights uh, with all of us. Uh, this is the year end, so we'd love to say uh, season's greetings once again. Uh, wish you a very happy new year uh, in uh, advance. Uh, hopefully, 2021 will be a much better year for all of us over here. So, thank you, Subhu. Thank you, Sandeep, for making time Thanks on the so show. Much, Leslie. And wish you thank guys you, Leslie. Thank you, thank you, Sandeep. And I hope the four days left of the new year doesn't do anything dramatic. But, you know, barring that, yeah, happy 21 to everybody. Enough of drama. <laughs> I know. Enough. I've, I've Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe for new episodes every week. And for daily enterprise tech news and news, visit cxotoday.com.